Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again uh, coming to you in your living room, uh, vehicle, however it is that you're listening or watching, uh, you know, via internet, Roku, uh, Vimeo, podcast, however it is. Uh, we are grateful uh, to uh, have the privilege and honor to minister the Word of God to you. So we're always thankful when you connect with us and uh, hopefully getting something good out of it. Praise God. You know, you need to let us know that, you know, if, if you're getting blessed, uh, you know, let us know that you're getting blessed, praise God. And uh, we always love to hear from people. And if you got prayer requests or whatever, boy, uh, we, we'd love just to hear from you. So anyway, uh, today being a Sunday service, uh, again, I'm going to start with a, a, a little principle concerning the uh, offering time. And uh, so we'll go ahead and go to the Word real quick here. And today I'm going to come out of Psalms chapter 35. And verse 27, all right? And it says this, let them, let them shout for joy and be glad. In other words, let's rejoice, amen, who favor my righteous cause or my, my plan or my fight, amen. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. I'm going to also toss this out real quick. Psalms 50 in verse 23 says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders or regards or purposes his conduct or conversation, that word also means, aright, I will show the salvation of God, the deliverance of God, the prosperity or preservation of God. In other words, him who orders his conversation aright. All right, here it says, let them continually say, uh, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, uh, the principle today is really just about how you use your, ver your words, how you use your mouth, how you uh, make your confession on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, if you want to stay connected to God's uh, financial economic system, uh, then you're, one of those things that's going to have to happen is you have to keep your mouth right. Okay, I always say it this way: you got to keep your head right, your heart right, and your mouth right. Amen. Those are just three keys if you're going to if you're going to move along in God. Right? Keep the head and the heart right, and keep the mouth right. All right. And here today we're talking about the mouth. See, if you want the dog, stop calling the cat. You know, if you want to walk in the blessing and in the favor of God, the prosperity of God then you can't talk about being broke, busted, and disgusted all the time. You can't talk about being, uh, you know, uh, without. You can't talk about, about never having enough. You know, you got you to gotta learn to guard your words. Amen. Remember, God's your provider. And that's why it says here, let them continually say. In other words, this is what God's asking you to say. All right? This ain't something Pastor Jerry's coming up with. This is something he's asking you to say. To say this out your mouth. And it says continually. Let the Lord be magnified, amen, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And then it goes on to say, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. In other words, I'm going to keep my words coming out right. If anything, I'm just going to praise God. If I don't know what else to say, what else to do, I'm just going to praise God anyhow, praise God. It's, it's how this works, amen. Sometimes it's a challenge. 
Sometimes, you know, especially when you're, uh, you got your back against the wall a little bit financially and you got things going on and things pressuring you about, uh, you know, this or that. And, uh, you know, maybe even now in this uh, situation that we're all facing right now in this nation and actually around the world, um, you know, you might be staring at some financial pressures. Could be. But this is a good time to just put your faith out there and start praising God. Remember, God's your provider. God's your source. God's your deliverer. Praise God. Amen. So that's it. Just keep your mouth talking the right thing. So again, I'll just say this. Keep your head right, your heart right, and of course your mouth right. Praise God. Amen. If you got your, uh, your tithes and offerings like we do every week, uh, we as a point of contact, if you got your uh, gift there or just anything that, that just kind of uh, is your point of contact, and for those, you know, of course, locally here, you're uh, bringing in your, your uh, gifts or your, your uh, mailing it in. For many, are just doing online giving. That's all great. Praise God. We're just grateful uh, that, that uh, you're, uh, you know, doing that. We're grateful, praise God, for uh, the honor of just receiving the tithes and the offerings. And, and uh, so what we want to do is we get an agreement with you concerning your return, concerning your harvest, concerning the blessing of God in your life, amen, concerning, praise God, the fullness of God manifesting on your behalf in the area of provision, praise God. So anyway, if you got that in hand, let's go ahead and pray and believe God together. Father, we give praise and glory once again, first and foremost, for the faithfulness of your people, their willingness to give, their willingness to honor you with their substance, to honor you with their increase. And we stand in agreement with the promises of God concerning their giving. Lord, for the tither, that the windows of heaven are open over them. Praise God, that the fullness of the blessing, hallelujah, is being poured out upon them. Praise God, hallelujah, amen, fullness of the blessing poured out through an open heaven, an open window. Praise God, an unstopped window. Oh, bless the Lord. Father, I give praise for the increase. Thank you that they're blessed coming, they're blessed going, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in their homes, blessed in their fields. Praise God that all they touch is, is blessed and prospering. Praise God and increasing. Father, I thank you they're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. They're the lender, not the borrower. Praise God. I thank you, Lord God, you've commanded a blessing on their storehouses. And I give you the praise for that. Lord, for those given offerings today, I thank you that all grace abounds toward them. That they always have all sufficiency in all things. And they have an abundance for every good work. Father, I thank you that when they give, it comes back pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto them. I thank you for the hundredfold harvest, praise God. I thank you, Lord God, for their inheritance, that they inherit wealth, that it fills their treasuries, that they inherit the land and dwell in it forever, that they walk in the inheritance of the saints in the light, praise God. So we give you praise for their harvest, for their inheritance, and for the fullness of the blessing in complete manifestation. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Today, we're going to talk about having the mind of Christ. Amen. Again, we've been talking over the last several weeks about different kingdom principles um, in the Word. Um, today, I'm going to talk about you know maintaining a mind set on on the things of God, kind of a key when it comes time to moving forward in God, and uh, kind of got a little different uh, spin on it today, so I'm hoping that you got an ear to hear, um, 
you know, with everything going on, you, you, you know, you just some, sometimes you got to address some things and, and uh, you know, just to keep everybody moving in the same direction, you know. So uh, we're going to go uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to just read the whole chapter is what I'm going to do. We might have a little bit of reading today. I'm obviously not going to be able to spend as much time in the text um, especially with a text like this, there's so much in here. Um, I, I, for where I got to go today, I just want to kind of breeze through it and then just address what I need to address. Okay, so with that said, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness or in ability, in fear or reverence, and in much trembling. In other words, you know, he was uh, in reverence about what he was doing. I mean, he, he didn't take this lightly, right? And my speech and my preaching uh, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And he says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that, that's so true today, uh, probably as, as much to tr true today as ever, amen, that we need to have our faith uh, in, in the power of God and not so much in the wisdom of men. Okay, now hang on. However, verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God. So now you're seeing there's two different kind of wisdoms mentioned here, all right? So you got the wisdom of God, you got the wisdom of men or the wisdom of this age, this world's wisdom, we could say. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, something that's been kept secret or concealed, not from you, but for you, all right? Now hang on. Which God ordained before the ages of our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, if the enemy knew what was going to happen as a result of what Jesus, uh, the price that he paid and what he did, he would have just left him alone. All right? Then he would only had one individual to deal with, but now he's got millions to deal with. All right? He goes on, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things... Everybody say things, all right? So the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. There's things for you. But God has revealed them, in other words, these things, to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things, amen, the deep things, divine counsels, profound counsels, amen, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. In other words, except the spirit of God be in him. Okay? All right. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So now we're not only seeing a wisdom. You know, there's a difference between the wisdom of this world or the of this age or uh, the wisdom of men versus the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom, okay, these mysteries that's, that's hidden for you, amen. We're also seeing now the spirit of the world, 
versus the Spirit of God, which is kind of key. Now, again, the word spirit, just it breaks down. Really, it's defined as breath, okay? So when we talk about the Spirit of God, we're talking about the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the helper, which is the breath of God, amen, versus the Spirit of the world, which would be the breath. We could maybe even say the voice, okay, the breath of the world or of this, uh, you know, king, the world, the kingdom of this world, okay, the men of this world, or whatever, however you want to word that, all right? So it goes on here that we have not received, uh, this, uh, pardon me, uh, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, all right? So there's those things again. These things, verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, spiritual things comparative to spiritual things, all right? Anyway, verse 14, but the, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are, according to this, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, all right? But he who is spiritual, talking about you or me, right? those that have God, those who are spiritual, judges or discerns all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. And that just means that the natural man has nothing over the spirit man. So if the, if the spirit man is where he needs to be in God, the natural man has nothing on him. All right? For he, or pardon me, for who, verse 16, who has known or perceived, okay, who has known the mind of the Lord, He's asking a question. Now, this is a quote out of Isaiah, but he's asking a question. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Okay, in other words, who has known uh, the thinking, the understanding, that word also means, the word mind here, uh, thinking, understanding, um, perception. Okay, actually, the word, when you, when the, the word mind in itself refers to either divine or human, okay, in thought, feeling, or, or will, or purpose, or stuff. So what it's talking about, the word mind depending on who it's talking about, you know, it's going to mention in the text who it's referring to. So if it's talking about the mind of man or it's talking about the mind of God, okay, or the perception of God, okay, or the thinking of God, okay. So we're talking about in this text who's going to know, who knows the mind of God, who knows the thinking, the, uh, the perception, the understanding of God. And it goes on uh, that he may, talking about the one that, that, that knows the mind of God, Amen, or the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, all right? And that word instruct, um, it refers, it's in, infer, which means uh, to bear or to produce. So it's referring to something being uh, reproduced, recopied, reduplicated, or replicated, okay? So what it means is when it's talking about teaching or instructing, it says, now, who, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may... Uh, reproduce. In other words, he's going to speak of the Lord. He knows what he's talking about. In other words, the only way you're going to know how to teach or to talk about the things of God is if you know the mind of God. Okay? So that's what he's asking. He said, who has known the mind of the Lord that we can turn around and instruct it? We can talk about it. We can share uh, what he thinks. All right? That's kind of what it means. But we have, so this is Paul talking, but we have the mind of Christ. We have that perception. We have that understanding. We have that way of thinking. See, we, we spend time with him, and as a result of it, now we have that mind. 
All right. Now, of course, this is referring to, you know, when you talk about this as, as, a, as a whole, it's talking about, you know, the potential that we all have. We all have the potential to have the mind of Christ. All right. It's been offered to us. Now, the reason I say it that way is because then he goes on in the next chapter and he's actually uh, rebuking the, the Corinthian church because obviously they're, they're off on their perception. They're sitting there striving and in contention and division. And, and so he's saying, listen, we're standing here talking to you because we understand the mind of God concerning these things. And so we, we have the mind of Christ about this. And so we're telling you now, this needs to stop or this needs to change or this is the way you need to be thinking about this, okay, depending on what text we're dealing with. But in this text, He's telling the Corinthian church, listen, we've got the, the mind of God on this thing. And you need to stop striving. Stop uh, in the division and contention and dissension and, and all of that. Stop it. Be done with that. All right? That's not how God thinks. That's not how God does things. All right? So anyway, keep that in mind. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 4, please. 1 John chapter 4. All right, so 1 John... Chapter 4, verse 1, please. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. That's pretty, pretty important. Don't believe everything you hear, right? Remember the word spirit is breath, right? Don't believe every, every voice. Don't believe every, uh, you know, breath that's out there, right? But test or discern the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many imposters, wrong voices are out there, all right? So the reason being is because whoever gets your attention, all right, is going to probably determine your perspective, all right? So if you're listening to wrong voices, okay, if you're listening to uh, the, um, you know, the, the prophets of the land, so to speak, okay, then what's going to happen is it consumes your thinking, which then determines your perception. All right, now hang on. By this, verse 2, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. So the spirit of the Antichrist, not saying it is the Antichrist, it just says the spirit of the Antichrist. In other words, we're trying to maintain the, the mind of Christ, okay, the perceptions of Christ, amen, by staying connected to the spirit of Christ, all right? But here it's talking about there's other voices out there, there's, other, there's another breath out there, something that's breathing out there, speaking, okay, speaking another message, speaking something other than the message of Christ, all right? So it's called then the Antichrist or the spirit of the Antichrist, all right? Which you have heard, uh, pardon me, say this, let me read it again. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children and have overcome them. In other words, no matter what's out there and what's speaking and what's talking, amen, you have the greater one on the inside of you, and as a result of it, the overcomer's on the inside of you, which means that you can overcome anything that's out there, anything that's being said, right? 
Because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. All right. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and he who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, okay, or deceit or deception, okay, falsehood. Two spirits, two voices, two wisdoms, uh, you know, uh, and so you have to determine who, who's going to get your attention because well, who gets your attention determines your perception, determines, uh, you know, how you think, all right? Now, a lot of things going on uh, today, um, you know, we're, you know, especially with this uh, virus deal and, and um, trying to choose my words wisely here, but, um, you know, you got people on one side all fearful because uh, everybody's talking about, uh, you know, you know, we could die, we could this, we could that, whatever, all kinds of things. Now, we're not denying the existence of the virus, but, you know, there's a whole lot of other things out there, you know. Uh, and the problem is this is the one that everybody's talking about and everybody puts it out in the forefront and making a huge deal of it. Again, not denying it, okay. The problem is, see, is if that's all you're hearing, Okay, if you're letting the world out there speak and breathe something into you, what happens is it, it, it determines your thinking. It determines your perception. So pretty soon now, you're all panicked and fearful because of a virus. Honey, there's a hundred viruses out there, maybe thousands of them. Okay, there's all kinds of things out there that, that are warring against you even right now. It's just that that's the one everybody's talking about. Now, again, I don't say that to create any more panic. I'm just saying that because of what's being spoke, what's being breathed, okay, man's wisdom about it, man's perception about it, pretty soon it starts modifying yours. But you're, you're a child of God. And if you keep your mind set on things above, on the voice or the breath, or the Spirit of God, you stay connected there, amen, that no matter what's going on out there, it isn't gonna, it's not going to dictate. See, greater is He who's in you than he who's in the world. So then you have authority over no matter what's going on out there, mainly because you're maintaining the perception or the mind of Christ. Amen. Now, it isn't just that. We got... We got the other end of the spectrum, okay? All kinds of conspiracies, all kinds of things that are going on. And listen again, not denying. I guarantee you there's some of that going on because that's the world, okay? The world, that's been going on since, since the beginning, okay? There's always people that have their own agendas and people that, that manipulate things and do things for financial gain or for political gain, okay? It goes on all the time. It's just another voice, okay? But you have to guard what you let consume you. It's dangerous, okay? Now, again, not denying what's going on, not denying either side of this thing. I'm just telling you, you have to maintain the mind of Christ. You have to maintain a perception of Christ. 
You got to guard what you believe. You got to discern between the voices. Okay? Again, don't walk, uh, walk away from this message saying that I'm against everything that's being said about this or against everything being said about that. I'm just telling you, you got to maintain the mind of Christ. You can't just let every voice, every breath determine your perception. That's what you got to guard. All right. See, if it's if it's about the virus and the fear about that, remember, you have a healer. You got to deliver. If it's about all the uh, conspiracies, remember, you got a you got a God that's on your side. Uh, you got a God that declares no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm telling you, you got a God that that vindicates you. Praise God. Amen. But if you don't watch it pretty soon, your perception begins to be altered. And next thing you know, we're deceived and going down a road we got no business going down. And please, don't walk away from this saying I'm, you know, uh, you know, trying to ignore things that are going on around me. I'm not stupid. I understand there's things going on, okay, that shouldn't be going on. All right? And, and some of it makes me upset. Okay, but I can't I can't give all my attention to it because then it modifies my perception when all along I'm supposed to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of the world or the mind of men, so to speak. Okay, but the mind of Christ. All right. The scripture says in uh, Colossians three and verse two, it says, set your mind on things above and not on things above. On the earth. You know, it's things again. There's things above and there's things on the earth. In other words, natural things. Okay? A spirit of God uh, perspective is what he's saying. Keep your mind set on things above. Maintain a God perspective, not a world perspective. And it's, you know, in this day and age, everything's breathing on you man everything is is trying to uh, get get your attention everything's trying to have a voice you know and and a lot going on but you still as a child of God got to maintain the mind of Christ and the only way it's going to happen is you got to determine who has your attention who has your attention all right set your mind on things above, right? The word set, uh, as phronio is the, is the Greek word. It means to be mindful of something or to set one's affection on something, uh, to exercise, entertain, or interest the mind. So when we're talking about setting your mind, you're, you're, you're entertaining your mind with, with the right stuff. You can entertain your mind with things above or things on the earth. You can set your affection on things above or things on the earth. And again, I'm not telling you that, that these things going on on planet Earth here, you know, on, on, you know, on the natural realm, that these things ain't happening. They are happening. But, but you still, as a child of God, got to maintain the mind of Christ. All right? And the only way to do that is by setting your mind on things above. All right? Let's look at another reference. Let's go to Romans 8. <laughs> I'm always going to Romans 8, ain't I? Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 8 in text with everything we're talking about. In verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the natural, okay, 
Why is it? How they live. What's that word live? It just means actions or their behavior. How they conduct life. How they live life. Uh, you know, your, your life is based on your most predominant thoughts. Okay, so wherever your most predominant thoughts determines how you walk, how you think, how you perceive things, how you look at things, how you conduct your actions, uh, you know, your attitudes, all of that's going to be based on what, on, on, on what you, uh, you think about. All right. So he says this, verse 5 again, for those who live according to the flesh or this natural realm, that's because they've set their minds on the things of this flesh or this natural realm. That word again, set, is phronia. It means the same word we used earlier here in, in Colossians 3. All right. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, okay, the breath of God, living according to the things of God, the ways of God, then, that, then they put their mind on the things of the Spirit. So in other words, if you're going to live according to the flesh, it's because you've set your mind on those things. If you're going to live according to the Spirit, you've set your mind on the things of the Spirit. It's all based. See, the only contingency here is where you base your, uh, base your thinking, where you, where you set your mind on I me, mean, okay, which then determines how you think, determines how you perceive. So whoever has your attention determines your perception. Who has your attention determines your perception. And if your perception is, is based out of worldly uh, you know, worldly uh, voice or the world breath or the spirit of the world, then guess what? It's going to be a wrong perception. Just plain and simple. Somehow it's going to be off. Because God, remember the wisdom of God, the things of God, the hidden things, uh, you know, the... Uh, those things that I hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard, hadn't entered into the hearts of men, all these things, see, from God are there to help you. But see, if, you're, if your mind's not set, you know, on the things of God, then what happens is pretty soon your perception gets off and pretty soon you're not setting yourself up for any of the things from God. And then pretty soon you're missing out on things. Pretty soon you're, uh, instead of uh, trusting God in something, you're panicked. Instead of relying on God about something, okay, you're, you're stressing out, okay, because you've, you've set your mind in the wrong places. And as a result of it, now it determines your perception, which then determines your actions, which then determines your life, what road you're going to get on, what road you're going down, all based on where you set your mind. And the idea is to maintain the mind of Christ the perceptions of Christ. And the only way that's going to happen is by setting your mind on the things of Christ, on the higher things. Amen. Still in Romans 8, let's look at verse 6 now. For to be carnally minded or naturally minded or fleshly minded, it says it goes down a road and it says it is death. Okay. Uh, just speaks of uh, ruin, uh, destruction. Okay, so a carnal mind, okay, remember now, uh, where you set your mind determines a perception, a way of thinking, a perception, which determines an attitude, uh, determines an action, which determines a life. It's in other words, that you're going down a road, which always ends in ruin, destruction. Okay, but to be spiritually minded, 
Okay, set your mind on things, higher things, which determines your thinking, which determines your perceptions, which determines your actions, your attitudes, which determines how you react, how you respond, what roads you're going to go down, which then determines life and peace is what it says. Okay, Zoe life, absolute life, the word peace here, okay, which uh, the, the Hebrew word is shalom, which is, might come up again here before this is over with, uh, but the uh, Greek word is arene, okay, uh, that means the same thing, wholeness, completeness, everything from rest, um, uh, favor, uh, safety, health, um, just everything, everything whole, everything complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, even prosperity, every, it fits every area of your life. Now, everybody wants the peace of God. Everybody wants the life of God. Okay, so it says this, if you want the life and the peace of God, if that's, if that's what you want, if that's the road where you want your road to go, uh, to go down, so that's where you, you end with that life and peace, okay, then you have to back it up. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, belittle anybody with this. I'm just, I'm just saying, that, you, you know, sometimes we just forget about just the simplicity of this uh, because it all comes down to where you set your mind. If you're going to just believe every voice that's out there, every, everything that's breathing and speaking something, that's why he says you gotta, you got to discern, okay, which is right, which is, which is not right. Because it determines a way of thinking. It determines a perception, which determines, uh, you know, an action or an attitude or a reaction, okay, which determines what road you're going down, which determines whether you went down Death Alley or you go down Life and, and Peace Avenue. You got to determine which one you're going to get on just by where you set your mind. A kingdom principle. See, even though, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm backing up a little bit with all this, but even with everything that's going on, again, we're not denying the existence of some of this mess that's happening. And we're not denying the existence of some of this stuff that's being man, uh, you know, through man's manipulation and, 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 and uh, you know, the uh, personal agendas and all that stuff. We're not denying the existence of any of this. We're just saying, listen, if you don't watch it pretty soon, it's what consumes you. And the next thing you know, it determines your perception. And when God's trying to intervene and do something in your life, uh, you know, it's hard to do that when you're going down the wrong road. Well, anyway, praise God. All right, verse, uh, verse 7 now of Romans 8. Because, it says it, I love this, because the carnal mind, in other words, if, if your mind has been set on the wrong things, it says then that carnal mind is enmity against God. It wars against God. God's trying to do something, but he can't because you're warring against him, all because of where you choose to set your mind, all, with, all because of what you choose to meditate on and think about and who you let breathe into you and who, whose voice you're going to give heed to. Which, which prophet are you going to listen to, the prophets of the land or the prophets of God? The voice and the spirit of God or the voice and the spirit of the world? you got to determine, okay? Discern that, all right? Because the carnal mind is enmity or wars against God, for it is not subject 
to the law of God or the principles of God or the ways of God, nor indeed can be. That's pretty blunt, okay, pretty blunt statement. Saying, listen, if you just let your mind go down, that pretty soon it's, only, it's inevitable. Now, God's got no place. God can't work in this. And you think about why is that? Why don't God just take over? No, because that's your perception. And it determines an attitude. It determines an action. It determines how you talk. It determines what you get involved with and what conversations you, you accept. And it determines, you know, uh, reactions. And then what happens, that determines what road now, now that's what's fighting against God. God's trying to, uh, trying to intervene, trying to empower you, trying to strengthen you, trying to bless you, trying to favor you, trying to uh, prosper you, trying to protect you. And, and, and the whole time, you know, God has no place there because you, you've given your attention to the world, to the wrong voice, the wrong breath. And instead of maintaining a mind of Christ, we're now got the mind of the world. We could even just say the mind of normal man. Okay? Man in itself. Okay? That if they don't have God working in them, I guarantee you there's a lot of things that they're they're thinking that's wrong. And that's not against them. That's not, that's not, you know, you know, being judgmental or critical. It's just, it's just the way it is. If people ain't, you know, if their mind ain't set on God, then most of their thinking is going to be off. It's going to be somehow tainted. All right? And you have to understand that. And, uh, you know, anyway, I, I probably said enough there. I want to go to Matthew 16. Let's look at a little bit of this. Matthew 16. And what we have is Jesus talking to the disciples. Now, Peter just got done having a, a big praise God, a slap on the back saying, good job, Peter, because he had a good answer for, uh, for the Lord. Uh, but then the Lord goes on and begins to talk to him, and that's where I'm going to kind of pick up the story here in chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 21. And it says this, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things uh, from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, that doesn't sound right, does it? To the normal, natural mind, we, you know, that ain't something we want to hear, but yet that's coming from the Lord. So obviously it must be right. All right, but Peter's not, not understanding that. So it says this, Then Peter took him aside. <laughs> I think this is funny. He took him aside and began to rebuke, uh, rebuke him. So Peter's, you know, thinks that, you know, he has a place to rebuke the Lord. You know, you, know, you know, it's funny how we get to thinking, right? And he said this, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall... Uh, let me read it again. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Well, he thinks, you know, that he's thinking right. But he's not thinking right. He's off, okay? And then Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. See, it's the wrong, wrong breath. It's the wrong voice, the wrong spirit that he's listening to. I'm talking about Peter, okay? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful, which is that same word uh, that we used earlier, phronio, okay? You're not mindful. In other words, your mind is set on, your mind is set on the wrong thing. You're giving heed to the wrong 
thing, the wrong voice, okay? You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You notice again, there's those things again, okay? Things of God, things of men. Wisdom of God, wisdom of men, okay? Spirit of God, spirit of the world. The voice of God, the voice of the world, okay? Prophets of the land, prophets of God, okay? It's coming, amen, here it comes, all right? And so uh, this man, Peter, just had a great breakthrough a little bit ago, got the pat on the back for saying the right thing, but now, I don't know, maybe he just, you know, when he was listening to Jesus, and you stop and you think about it, nobody would really want to hear what Jesus had to say there, hey, I'm a, there's going to be a lot of things going to go down here. It ain't going to be fun, all right? But it has to happen. I mean, nobody would want to hear that, right? So, you know, he assumed, because it ain't something I want to hear, that it must be wrong. Well, no, he was wrong. And then he gets rebuked, all right, because he says, your mind, all right, is in the wrong place. Your your mind, your thinking, your perception's off. And as a result of it, you're, you're heading down the wrong road. I mean, you know he is. I mean, he, he thought he had a right to pull Jesus aside and rebuke him. Uh, I think you're on the wrong road, dude. You know, right? Okay, let's look at another one here. Let's go to um, um, Luke 13. Let's try that. This one here I thought was just, these are just some, I you know, grabbed a few texts I thought, just kind of showing you how we can get off sometimes. Um, Luke 13, and this is Jesus. Um, uh, well, let's go ahead and read it. I can just read through it. Uh, Luke 13, verse 10, it says, Now, uh, talking about Jesus, He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, okay, on the day of worship. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, and it says 18 years, okay and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. So we're talking about for a lady. We're not really sure of her age, but we do know, uh, you know, we assume maybe it's an elderly lady. I mean, it could be. Uh, But it says for the last 18 years, she's bowed over, okay, back condition or whatever. Uh, It says a spirit of infirmity is is what's dictating uh, her condition, okay, for 18 years. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself, right, and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. All right? But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Can you believe that, right? That's something. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them (laughs) and not on the Sabbath day. Well, the Lord then said to him, right, you hypocrite. He just used an example. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath uh, loose uh, his ox or his donkey from the stall? I love how he used that. So loose his ox and her donkey from a stall and then lead it away to water. In other words, you, you obviously prize your ox and your donkey enough to loose it from the stall to take it and take, you know, to feed it, water it, whatever. I think in the next chapter he uses the same illustration, but this time says if the ox or the donkey has fallen into a pit, would you not do whatever it takes, even on the Sabbath, even on the day of work, would you not still go down and try to get, save that animal? Absolutely. But he brings this out in verse 16 of chapter 13. He says, so ought so ought not this woman 
being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound. And he says, think of it. For 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Think of it. So he says, listen, what he's trying to say is, listen, your, your perception's off. Okay? Somebody is in need. Okay? And you're more worried about a day than you are the need of an individual. Something's off. Okay? Something's off. All right? And, uh, you know, we can go all 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 day on just a topic like this, okay? Jesus is our Sabbath, okay? So, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with uh, honoring God on, on a day of worship. That's great. That's what we should do. Amen. But, but he says, hey, this woman's been bound for 18 years, and he says, think about it. In other words, you got to change your perception here. You're more worried about a day than you are this individual. He says, the reason we come to worship God is, is not only to connect with God, but also to bring help to mankind, to connect God with, with individuals. The point is this. Okay, I, like I said, I can get all preachy on this, but the point is your perception's off. Somewhere your perception got off. You no longer have the mind of Christ. You got some other mind. You no longer have the perspective of God. You got a perspective of something else. In this case, it's probably religiosity, okay, which is another uh, dangerous thing, all right? We forget about the purpose. And so for long, your mind is over here. You're on the wrong road now. We're not, we're not seeing people getting delivered like, it sh- like it sh- they should be. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at another one. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I thought this was definitely worthy of bringing out. Okay, remember, we're talking about, you know, you know your perception, okay, how you're, how you're thinking, okay. Verse, uh, see, I'm in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, I'm going to verse 3, kind of, kind of jumping in the middle of this, but it says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted, tainted, defiled, amen, from the simplicity that's in Christ. So in other words, he's just saying this. Okay, that's, that's what happened in the garden. From the very get-go, this is how it all worked. The enemy comes in, okay, and grabs her attention. And we know it wasn't just Eve. Adam was right there too, all right? But he's talking about the deception. See, what happened, it was a deception. It was a, the enemy played a mind game by, by stealing her attention, okay, and then getting her to... Her, her perception off. See, it's like smoke and mirrors, okay? You know, I got you looking over here, and the whole time he's over here, he's got a, a, an undertow of deception. He's, and then pretty soon what happens is it didn't take long there, and next thing you know, uh, she's going down the wrong road. Her perception was off. Then her, her, you know, her action then was off. And pretty soon, Adam was right there, did the same thing. And as a result of it now, we got us a mess. We're going down the wrong road. And we got trouble, Bubba. That's how this stuff works. Now, it says that that same way that that happened to Eve is the same thing that happens to you and me. If we don't watch it, if we don't discern things right, pretty soon now we're deceived. We're getting caught up about something when all along Jesus is our healer. We're getting caught up with something, but Jesus is our deliverer. We're getting caught up about something, but Jesus is our vindicator. 
Okay, he's the one that will deliver us. He's our safety. He's our preservation. He's our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. He's our deliverer. Don't lose sight of that. Don't let your mind get so caught up in things that pretty soon you're walking in fear or you're, or you're being uh, you know, caught up in all the uh, man's uh, you know, personal agendas and all that mess. If you don't watch it pretty soon now, it's got you so irate and so mad and so caught up in it that now you're not even in a place where God can work through you. Whew. Hope you're hearing this. Amen. We're in 2 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 10. Back up a chapter. Let's take a look at this. Verse 3. Hallelujah. Hope you're getting something. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, even though we have a flesh body, I mean, we're on planet Earth, we still function through an earth suit, a flesh body, right? We do not war according to the flesh. So all this stuff's going on, but if you're, gonna, if you're now just going to War according to the flesh. Now listen, I didn't say there ain't things that God might lead you to do. I didn't say there might not be things that God might tell you you to take your stand or do this or do that. We get that. But just just to, you know, get so caught up in everything and then pretty soon you're making choices and decisions based on a perception that gets tainted or corrupted. And then pretty soon you're making decisions and actions, your attitude, everything gets off. And then pretty soon you're warring now according to the flesh. And that's where we get in trouble. And again, well, I've said it probably three or four times in this message. We're not denying the existence of some of this stuff that goes on around us. And ain't none of it that's right. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we just... We don't like. I mean, what it is, is just the enemy is having a heyday with people, whether it be through sickness or manipulation, okay? And uh, we, we just have to uh, understand that our fight is not with flesh and blood. Our fight is not by yielding your flesh to war against their flesh or whatever, okay? That's not going to get it done. We got to be led by God. We've got to follow God. What is God telling us? But now listen, if your mind is somewhere else and your perception's off, remember now, that's what wars against God. So the whole time God's trying to lead, but you're not positioned to be led. Anyway, think about that. So though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Chapter 10, verse 4 now. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Right? Not natural, right? but mighty in God. And it says, for pulling down strongholds. Those things that are out there. There is a lot of strongholds. A lot of things that were set up that shouldn't be set up. There are a lot of things that have position and place and authority that shouldn't. Okay? Now listen. But we don't, we don't handle it, it says. We don't handle it in a carnal way or fleshly way. We handle it by the Spirit. That's where it starts. And again... God may lead you to do something naturally with your physical body, but we don't war according to the natural, to the flesh. Amen. Okay, so pulling down or demolishing strongholds, things that have been fortified, set up. Verse 5 now, casting down arguments, casting down. 
okay? In fact, let me read the whole thing, and then I'm going to come back and maybe define a little bit of this. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here we go. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, a lot said in that text, and of course I can't go into all of it, but the bottom line, what he's talking about is it starts with the thoughts. you got to bring every thought into captivity. Okay, you got to guard where you set your mind. If you're going to maintain the mind of Christ, okay, then you got to guard where you set your mind, which means, right, you're going to have to take every thought captive. And the Word wouldn't tell you to take every thought captive if it wasn't possible. It's possible to do it. But let's look at this again, verse 5. Casting down, what's that mean? Well, it just means to lower with violence. And so it's not a lightweight thing. To lower with violence, to demolish or to take down in order to, des- in order to destroy. So, in other words, when uh, you know, these uh, thoughts are hitting you, this word arguments actually means reasonings, okay? Imaginations, assumptions, opinions, all that kind of stuff. Well, some of that stuff, okay, might seem right, but it may not be right, right? So because, what, we've set our mind in the wrong place, and now here it comes, something's trying to consume you, but you've got to be willing to say, wait a minute, I refuse to go there. Now, when it talks about, you know, uh, destroying, demolishing, pulling down, casting down, right, throwing down, lowering with violence, there ain't none of that that sounds like some, you know, lightweight, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's pretty serious business. Well, why is that so serious? Well, because where you set your mind, see, determines the thinking, determines the perception, which determines the attitudes, determines the actions, the words, uh, you know, which determines the road you go down. It's just that progression that happens, all based on where you set your mind. So you gotta, you got to guard what you're hearing, what you're believing, and you got to discern and when you've made your discernment, whatever isn't right, you've got to take care of it. Get it gone. Amen. Casting down arguments and every high thing, and this just means that which tries to elevate itself over or above, it says here, or against, I guess my translation says, against the knowledge of God or the, the things we know about God or should know about God, His ways, His character, who He is, His principles. That's see, in, in a sense, see, then we're talking about having the, the mind of Christ about God, how He does things. But these things try to elevate themselves over that so that it now determines uh, your perception. Okay? Then it determines, again, the attitudes, the actions, the behaviors, uh, what road you're going down. See, it tries to elevate itself over the right things. In this case, it's the knowledge of God, or the things of God, the ways of God. Taking every thought, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but it just means, you know, every the mindsets, the perceptions, right? It's your thoughts. Take every thought, amen, into uh, captivity. The word captivity just means uh, to make it captive or lead it away captive, to bring it under control. So in a sense, and what it's saying is these, these thoughts come, and if you'd like, if you could actually hold them, that thought comes in, you grab that thought, and you're looking at it, and you're saying, does that line up? Okay. And, you, you know, these are some things. Some things you might say, Lord, 
Some of this stuff uh, I don't understand. So what do I do with it? Well, what you're doing, see, is now you're seeking wisdom on is this something I need to think about? Is this something I need to hang on to? Is it something I need to uh, cast down? Something I need to not give thought to? You have to do that. And please, again, we, we understand all this stuff that's going on. We're not, we're not ignorant to what's going on. We're not ignorant to all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on, all these things. We, I understand, but if we're going to maintain a move of God in our lives, we're going to maintain the blessing, the favor, uh, you know, maintain a move of God in, within each and every one of us, then we're going to have to guard where we set our minds. Take every thought captive, bring it under control. And of course, then it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And what that means is, okay, you made a decision. I'm going to take every thought captive. So now what you've done is you, based on obedience, you've done what God's asked. Now, you know as well as I do that just because you cast down that thought today don't mean in an hour it ain't going to try to hit you again. Or tomorrow it's going to try to hit you again. Okay, that's what it means, being ready to punish any disobedience when your obedience has been fulfilled. In other words, just because you cast down those thoughts today don't mean that you don't have to do it tomorrow. It just means you've got to be ready that every time those things hit you again and you're, you find your thoughts going down that road again, we've got to be quick to punish that disobedience even when your obedience has been fulfilled. In other words, you did it right yesterday. Well, you got to do it right again uh, today, and you're going to have to do it right again tomorrow. It's a, it, it is. It's, it's a process, and you got to stay with it and stick with it, praise God. Remember, this whole thing, it ain't how we got started. It's how we finish. And, and the, one of the key principles in the Word of God is you got to guard where you set your mind because it determines whether you're going to operate under the mind of Christ or the mind of the world. The perceptions of Christ or the perceptions of the world. The breath of God or the breath of the world. The voices of God, you know, the, the voice of God, I should say, or the, or the voices of the world. You determine that. All right? One last verse, and just real quick. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, he, You will keep him in perfect peace. There's that word again. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in the Lord, right? If you trust in God, then keep your mind stayed on God. Even in all this stuff, when you feel like you, you want to be uh, panicked and fearful about something, you keep your mind stayed on him, amen? Why? Because you trust in him, right? You trust in him, and he'll keep you in perfect peace. That word there, shalom, right? We're complete and whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything functioning and working like it should, health, prosperity, safety, I mean, protection, all of that, even rest is involved in that. Amen. So we're talking about the peace of God. Amen. How does that happen? How do you stay in the peace of God, perfect peace? By keeping your mind stayed on Him. Keep the mind set on things above, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We know that there are things going on. So when the fear tries to grip your heart, keep your mind stayed on God. When the, when the anger and, and frustration tries to grip your heart, keep your mind stayed on God. Keep yourself in a position, in a place where God can flow through you, work through you, praise God, amen, where He could speak to you and lead you and guide you 
so that if there is a step that you need to, uh, need to take, you're positioned to hear it and do that, praise God, out of obedience. I hope you got something today. Let's pray. Father, I just give you praise and glory once again. Thank you for this word. Thank you for these principles today. Thank you for a people that have a mind stayed on you, that they have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. That they walk in the perceptions of God. Hallelujah. The perception of the Lord. Praise God. Forgive us for the times that we've given heed to all the other voices. Everything else that's trying to breathe into us. Uh, forgive us for the times that we've yielded to some of that mess. We thank you, Lord. You're our deliverer. You're our healer. You're our provider. You're the one that, that, that protects us and vindicates. And you're the one that uh, uh, has our back, praise God, never leaving us nor forsaking us. And we give praise for that. Hallelujah. So, Father, I give thanks today for a people of God that have a mind stayed on you. And for that, we give you praise. If you're uh, watching and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this is where it all begins. By just asking Jesus into your heart. Ask Him to come into your life. Amen. Say, Lord, take my life. Whatever you can do with it, do something supernatural with it. Amen. I yield myself to you. I trust in you. I accept and I confess you as my Lord. And that just means you just, you just acknowledge that He's your Lord. Amen. And when you do that, the Word says you become born again. A brand new creature in Christ, it says. A new creation in Christ. Amen. So I'm asking you, make that decision today if you've never done that. And if today, if it's the first time that you've done that, let us know about it. Contact us, e email us, whatever. Let us know that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life so we can rejoice with you, praise God. Hallelujah. So I believe in it. You got something. You got blessed. And we call you blessed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.